0: Warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of the Who's Who podcast, a P100 production brought to you by the Muslim American Society. I'm your host, Abdusalam Dawood Marshall, and we've got a great show for you today. I'm very pleased to welcome Sister Nia Rankin to the show. Welcome, Sister Nia. Assalamu alaikum.
1: Wa alaikum. Wa, wa barakatuhu. It's wonderful to be here with you today.
0: Alhamdulillah, it's wonderful to have you with us. Now, dear brothers and sisters, dear listeners out there, when I say the word coach, what comes to mind? Maybe you're thinking of a football coach on the sidelines or a little league coach teaching kids baseball. Have you ever heard of a life coach? What about a habits coach? Well, my guest today does not teach or coach basketball or baseball, but she coaches habits. We're going to learn all about what that means today and this fascinating line of work, uh, as well as how this connects with Sister Nia's journey in intellectual and spiritual development within Islam because as a few of you might know who have met sister Nia she left a boring but lucrative job in the corporate world to pursue a spiritual adventure deepening her knowledge uh, and spiritual development in Islam so we're going to learn all about that today so thank you very much sister Nia for being on the show
1: I really appreciate that lovely introduction And I'm excited to discuss a little bit about how we can take simple steps to take control of our life and to leverage different technological hacks for our behaviors, to create the behaviors we want in our life.
0: Wonderful. Let's get right into that. Um, So tell us a little bit about what is life coaching or habits coaching for those of us who don't know. What does that mean?
1: So a lot of people have heard of like Tony Robbins and they're like, oh, you know, Um, but There's a lot more than just the hype. Um, When it comes to behavior design and habit coaching, it can be something as simple as flossing your teeth, which the methodology that I'm trained in actually emerged because the professor, um, B.J. Fogg, he was having a really hard time getting himself to floss his teeth. And so, you know, he's a bit of a genius. So um, his his solution to this problem actually changed the lives of over 70,000 people. So he decided, how am I going to attach this new behavior of flossing my teeth onto something that I do on a regular basis, something reliable in my day? So he decided, after I finish brushing my teeth, I'm going to floss one tooth. That sounds like a little counterproductive, like, why just one tooth? Why not all the teeth? But this is a special trick to override your feelings of procrastination and to make the behavior easier, which makes it more likely that you'll actually do it. But then the special part comes in next. After he lost one teeth, he would just beam this radiant smile and feel really good about himself. These uh, three components are the ABCs of habit formation, anchor, behavior, and celebration, with celebration being the most important part. Because when you celebrate, it actually increases the dopamine in your brain and makes it become an addictive behavior, much like whenever you're playing with different apps on your phone and you just you just have to get to the next level of that game. It's the same thing, but he used it to change a behavior that was a very important oral hygiene. Mm.
0: Well, it's fascinating. I, mean, I think, uh, as you said, uh, we're so surrounded by these technologies, which uh, give us those dopamine hits, those rewards. But for behavior that's not exactly productive, right? Just to continue scrolling, um, which benefits that company or that app, but doesn't necessarily benefit our lives. So instead, you're using that that same kind of psychology or mentality to to uh, develop uh, positive habits. Um, so I think that's wonderful. And, and you know this. Um, I think it's something that a lot of Muslims think about in terms of, you know, uh, in the month of Ramadan, we start to develop positive habits, but they they, they fade away perhaps um, after that blessed month is over. Um, how does this relate to, or how can Muslims do you think benefit from um, behavior design, as you said, or or thinking about habits in that way?
1: So, this is actually a very interesting topic and one that's very much been on my mind. Um, especially as a convert, um, when approaching Islam, even outside of the month of Ramadan, there is this constellation of Islamic habits that you need to develop, you know, from things like praying your, your five daily prayers, even to which foot to enter the bathroom or, or eating with specific hands, which may not be um, very intuitive for someone from the West, which I think is a brilliant idea after I got used to it. But of course, it takes time to build these habits. So... From this new constellation of habits, I think we can also learn how we might take cues uh, from these new Muslims who are very much in this state of of having to completely reshape their identity and their lives and think about what are they going through and how can I apply that to my journey? So maybe you've been a Muslim all your life, but maybe you haven't been as practicing as you would like, or maybe you have some habits that you're just having a hard time with. The important thing is to reduce that feeling of guilt and shame and to find ways to feel good about the new behaviors. So um, some of the sisters that I work with really struggle with reading the Quran on a daily basis. And I asked them, how much are you you reading per day? And they wanna read a juz a day or a half juz a day. I said, how about a page? And, you know, they said, but it's just a page. It's just a page. It's not a juz. And I said, well, when you're not reading the juz, how, how much are you reading? Nothing. They're reading nothing. So is one page more than nothing? And they think, oh, mashallah, one page is way more than nothing. And I said, look, you can read the gist, but set the intention to read one page. And when you've read that page, Congratulate yourself, however it feels natural. It could just be like alhamdulillah, you know, and just take a moment to really just rest in that feeling of gratitude, which is a great feeling, and it can it can give you that release, that feeling of dopamine that you need um, to make this uh, an addictive behavior. So that's uh basically the way I would approach any habit, you know, whatever it is, and how you would continue these habits is just set a small tiny goal. And then when you've done that goal, just celebrate. Yeah. But if you do more, pat yourself on the back, extra credit, but don't feel bad if you only do the small habits.
0: That's, again, it's that's wonderful advice. I That's how I finished my PhD. There was a book called uh, um, Writing Your Dissertation in 15 Minutes or Less. And the idea is like, how could you, or 15 minutes per day. The idea is like, how could you possibly finish a PhD by just writing 50 minutes a day? But again, as you said, if you you go out thinking, well, I have to work eight hours on this or I have to have a full day or two days set aside to work this week, then you're never gonna get it done. But if you say, well, I can just, I can at least dedicate 15 minutes to this and just build a small habit each and every day. Then first of all, that builds up over time. And also the more you get into it, the more you wanna keep doing it more and more every day. So it's it's a it's wonderful advice, um, and again I love the idea of just kind of treating yourself or rewarding yourself because so often, uh, you know how how often do we really do that? Um, too often are, are we're beating ourselves up for not doing something, so we have to do the opposite and reward ourselves. We do uh, fulfill that goal that we had.
1: There's one uh, special um, thing I just want to put out there is that the concept of reward is often something like maybe you get uh, to to go to the spa at the end of the week because you had done what what you said you were going to do, but um, the celebration component needs to be instant for uh, i mean the reward as something like that that carrot dangling in the distance is great and it's it's really good and it's really helpful but to really wire in the new habit and to get that immediate dopamine release that makes it addictive the celebration needs to happen right after like you see when the people train the dogs Mm-hmm. They have uh, the, cl- or the dolphins even, mm-hmm. they have the clicker. So as soon as the dog does the action, it hears the click and then it associates that click with getting a treat because mm-hmm. you can't really give them the treat fast enough for them to know that it was because of that action. The humans mm-hmm. are, are quite similar.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, I love that you've, you've also connected this to, I think so many people, um, they look at the religion of Islam and all its details and they think, oh, well, that's just a bunch of rules you have to follow. And they don't see the beauty in those details, as you said, from the way we eat, to the the foot we we enter a room with, to the the way we sleep. And that all those ways are of course, ways of uh, connecting and emulating the example of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But they're also a way of embodying the habits of Islam and really uh, training the body and the mind and the spirit and the heart together um, towards Islam. And I'm just wondering, I'd love to hear about your background of um, how you came to Islam um, and, again, you talked about learning some of the, these, these habits and traits, and I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit of that story with us.
1: So it's actually um, quite serendipitous. Um, at the company that I used to work for, um, that's the startup that I mentioned, we had a French lunch. So we would get together at, French and speak, at lunch and speak bad French. Um, none of us were particularly motivated, but it was just something fun that we did together. So I decided I would get a French tutor so that I could improve my French, even though it was not really a big, a big deal. I just wanted to be like 1% better. Mm. And so the French tutor that I, I found was a Muslim. <laughs> and they, uh, after getting to know me, they said, you really like personal development and philosophy. Have you ever considered reading the Quran? Mm. I had not. So mm. I got one. <laughs> And you would think like, okay, you got the Qur'an, now you're a Muslim. That was not what happened. <laughs> it was very incremental. Um, bit by bit, I started to look into what is this religion of Islam? Hmm. What is the history? Um, how did it change the lives of the people that it impacted? Hmm. Because when I opened the Qur'an, it wasn't immediately apparent. About halfway through Surat al baqarah I was like, hmm. what is, I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on. I need context. Hmm. And this is something that I really, really advise um, any new Muslims that I work with: develop context, build your love for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, bit by bit um, start to understand how Islam was revealed and how it changed his life, and then it went from his life to the people around him, to his his society, and then changing our entire civilization. Mm. So when we take it in this incremental way um you can really build a deep appreciation i know some people just instantly mm. um they they feel it but for me it started uh bit by bit with little little habits um before mm. i became a muslim i started to pray salah yes. <laughs> and uh, study Subhanallah. <laughs> so it was just me and a stack of, of old texts and um I was actively just trying to figure out like how can I tie in my background with personal development and um into this, you know, it's it's just spirituality on, on different levels, into this this new uh spirituality that I found, which I was taking Islam as like just another another thing to add to my spiritual buffet, so mm-hmm. to speak. But um one day. My heart had become tender enough from, from practicing Salah because I just found it really amazing. I felt such peace when I did it. Mm. So I was practicing, I was reading the Quran and I was just taking these different steps, like purifying the tongue, purifying the gaze, purifying um, my life of just different elements. Also trying to be more often in the state of wudu. Mm. Uh, before I became a Muslim, I was like very much uh, interested in these things. And then one day I was sitting and reading the Ihya al And I came across this sentence that said, the people of knowledge who don't share what they've learned will be bridled with a bit of hellfire on the day of judgment. And a chill went down my spine and I felt so afraid I contacted the masjid that day. I was just like, I'm a, I'm a Muslim, I, I give up. I'm not gonna play this spiritual buffet game anymore.
0: <laughs> well, alhamdulillah, that uh, Allah guided you in that way. And um, it's amazing uh, the ways in which we are guided to Islam, subhanAllah, through trying to learn French. Um, and you became a muslim um and i again I, it's fascinating just um and i can actually relate a lot to this incrementalism in terms of uh, reading the quran even adopting some of the practices before finally um taking that last uh, step to to say the shahada Alhamdulillah. um so it's amazing that i mean that this 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 journey of personal development was unfolding alongside your deepening engagement with the religion of, of islam um so i've asked you about what, what circumstances brought you to Islam, how did you first get involved in this quest for personal development as well? Where did that come from?
1: So I, my mother actually really uh, was a big fan of books and she always stressed the importance of literacy, of reading from an early age. And so I was very fortunate to have that influence in my life as well as access to her library. And I remember I found some book and it was about um, different mantras. Mm. And so I started to um, just walk around. I was like, maybe I was like eight years old or something. And just, money, but me, just like, mm. like oh. like okay, what is this jewel in the lotus? And I started thinking about, like, how can I, you know, purify myself? And how can I get to the next level? And then after that, I discovered uh, Dale Carnegie. Mm. How to win friends and influence people, right. which then led me to Jim Rohn. And um, Jim Rohn is, if you haven't uh, engaged in his work, he's very much a man of God. Mm. um, And you can really find a lot of synergies between what he says and um, what early Islamic thinkers say. Uh, I think because it's coming from the same source. Like whenever someone is deeply connected to God, you'll find them saying more or less the same things.
0: Mm. That's very true. So this has been a lifelong journey for you. so you mentioned you you've 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 had this uh, afoot a foot in sort of uh if not corporate america in 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 business and entrepreneurialism um and then you've more recently kind of gotten into habits coaching tell us a little bit about that world um and how you got into that
1: So it actually was a lot of things happened because of that startup like I was with them for around 7 years and I helped them develop from like just a very small, like couple person company into being like a a multi-company kind of merger, kind of corporation. Um, And it was a really interesting journey. I feel like maybe um, it was one of the better things that happened to me, but a lot of suffering came of it. I became obsessed with the job because I felt like they needed me. And I was very much an integral component. They would always like pat me on the back. Oh, Nia, I don't know what we would do without you. And they gave me snacks all the time. So I I was happy. I had my snacks. I had my coffee. And um, I just was a workaholic. Sometimes I'd work 10 hours, 12 hours and not think anything of it. And um, it took a toll on my health. So I started to, I gained uh, maybe like 50 pounds. I was about 50 pounds overweight and I was so busy working. I just said, Oh, who cares? I'll just keep buying bigger pants. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, But one day I got really sick. Like I just, I started small, like a migraine here and there nausea here and there. I started missing work, which was really against my values because Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with this, the success of this company. Mm -hmm. And um. One day I woke up and my eyelids were swollen like scallops and my ears were swollen. And I was just like, what's happening to me? And uh, when the swelling went down, they were chapped. Like I had chapped eyelids and chapped earlobes and I just had to go to the doctors. This is just too weird. And my doctor said, "Um, your lifestyle is killing you. You um, need to go on an elimination diet to figure out like what exactly is, is triggering these allergic symptoms. But in general, you need to make some changes because you're, you're just destroying your health over yeah. this, this lifestyle that you're living. Cause it was very high stress. It was um, like, every it, sometimes uh, clients they would lose like thousands of dollars if their website was mm-hmm. down for like, maybe like five minutes or something. And so um, it, we had to get the site up. Like if a site was down, it was just like, everybody is on it and um, that would just be an everyday thing. So mm-hmm. My doctor said you know you go on this elimination diet and maybe you might consider getting a health coach Mm -hmm. i'm very diy Mm -hmm. so when i was looking into these health coaches i thought i could be a health coach Mm -hmm. so i enrolled in this like very expensive year uh training to become a health coach and while doing so i lost 50 pounds Mm -hmm. i got my health back i became like very like vibrant again and very much alive. So um, that opened the door to thinking about, okay, if I could have this big of an impact on myself, um, what kind of an impact could I have on other people? Hmm. So it, it just kind of snowballed from that point, And I started to look for more and more ways to be of service.
0: Subhanallah. Um, I mean, it, so much of what you're saying, I think a lot of people can relate to in terms of their, their entire sense of self-worth being so connected to their jobs. And this this pressure to to perform and this this sense of almost it's life or death if you don't please this client and and again well it's all it's all up to me and it's this and and that pressure and how that could lead to such unhealthy choices and again sadly I think that's that's so common in this country, but good for you I mean it's, uh, the doctor said you had to get a health coach and you're like uh, I'll be a health coach instead <laughs> and how about that, when did you take the step. I mean, you could have easily just adopted those healthy habits and stayed with the company, kept working ten hours a week, but maybe you know, eating a bit more healthy or taking more time for self-care. When did you take that step to leave that behind and kind of focus um, on other pursuits?
1: If you did too, uh, Benjamin Hardy, PhD. I love to throw that in because he got his PhD during the time he was uh, my mentor, so yeah. it was a big celebration. We were all very happy for him. Um, he is an organizational psychologist and um, I was participating in one of his group mentorship programs and he really challenged us to think about how are how are we living our lives and who do we want to be three years from now and to really picture that like look at yourself how would you like to be three years from now and how do you think you will be based on your current actions three years from now and I thought about it and I realized if I continued on the same trajectory, doing the same things that made me sick before, I probably would be sick again. I probably would be still working to, to help create other people's dreams like through the web development. Um, but it was not dreams that I had any agency or any buy-in for. I didn't care about the oil field companies and the insurance companies and all these like you know non-feeling corporate entities that we were working with that I was so stressed about. I cared more about the people who Mm. really were trying to help others and to help themselves. And Mm. so when Ben Hardy challenged us in this way, it was just such a wake up call. Like I started to feel less and less committed, less and less interested in the job and more interested in what could I do to take myself to the next level. And I realized that a lot of, basically our life is a series of choices and how we respond to these different choices will shape our future development. Mm -hmm. And I had to get really granular about what were my day-to-day choices, what was my evening routine like, what was my morning routine like, and was that contributing to my success or my stagnation? Mm -hmm. And in that process, I learned about habits and how I could utilize different techniques to really just like basically program my life. Like as a person who was involved in web development and problem Mm -hmm. solving, I said, that is a very amazing solution to my problem. Mm. And Ben always challenged us, if you want to learn something, go and find the best the best in the field. Go find them and learn from them. So I did some research and found BJ Fogg, who is just, he's, he's the leading uh, habit researcher. And he's got this amazing background, which I also resonated with because before he was doing a lot of work in the health sector um, he was working with computers and human-computer interaction. Mm. So a lot of his students, there were people like the guy who created Instagram was one of his students wow. um, when he was working in the persuasive technology lab. So his the way that he speaks, the way that he presents information really speaks to a coder. <laughs> so because I had that background, when I heard him speaking, I said, oh, I have to learn from this guy. Nice. And so I did. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Just again, this, this idea of being a web developer and being able to see all the pathways and and applying those same, that same principle to programming your own life. Um, So it sounds like you've since then you have gone away from trying to please the corporate clients and and instead really um, helping to connect and help people. So are, would you say you're you're more of a, a freelance um life or habits coach right now? And what, what's what's the um your current kind of um work or, or life look like?
1: So I realized that what was most important to me was working on this path from being Abdul nafs or the slave of my nafs mm-hmm. to being Abdullah mm-hmm. so or the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so while I do take, I take jobs here and there, um, you know, web development, I do a lot of uh, actually free, free coaching work for mm. new Muslims and um, other people like you know, habits workshops. Awesome. Um, but I, I just kind of, um, following, um, like what, what is the path to the highest level of service? So I do a lot of work with different like different um, organizations, like the Muslim American Society, the New mm-hmm. Muslim Academy and others um, to support people within these programs. And in regards to money, I, I feel almost a little bit embarrassed, but I've been very much like a faqir. Like I've been like, just so, kind of this like mendicant and I work only enough that just you know to support myself and the rest is focused on Islamic studies and supporting uh, different people.
0: Well, may Allah reward you for that. So uh, Zernia, in closing, would you mind maybe closing us uh, with a dua, something that um, that we can end on?
1: So the biggest dua that I have for myself and I would like to extend to all of you is that we become people of action, not simply people of information gathering. In so many instances, our mode of seeking knowledge is merely seeking information and in some cases infotainment. So um, there is a hadith, uh, Sahih according to Allah Baini that uh, Jundub ibn Abdrah reported the messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him said, the parable of the scholar who teaches people virtue but forgets himself is that of a lamp giving people light while it burns itself. Hmm. So let us be people that are shining the light of Allah from within our heart that are practicing the virtues that we preach and that are people of action.
0: Ameen. Sister you are a shining light and example to us all, and thank you for being on the show. To all of our listeners, we'll see you next time. Assalamu alaikum. Warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.